You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. A few Fritos, and I'd get Oreos from him. Like eight, listen, eight, I still remember, eight Fritos would, would, would get me two Oreos. And if I went for 12, I got three. It's Alan's fault. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on. You guys are nice, right? But I got to tell you something. I became friends with him because I recognized how kind he was. Amidst being smaller than the rest, amidst not being picked for sports and not being capable of some of the sports we played, we did kickball. Alan stood on the sideline. But he was so good and so kind. And while I was writing this message, I thought about him. And while I was driving into church this morning, I thought about him again. Uh, in middle school, we would reconnect. Uh, in high school, I never found him again. And then years later, I heard he had some medical issues and had passed away. But I got to tell you, even as old as I am now, 39, I, I am so grateful for those moments I had with a kid named Alan White. I was curious. I was hoping he would let me ride his bike. But in the end, I found a kid who was good when he didn't need to be and when kind when people weren't kind towards him. I want you to share and, and proclaim this statement with me. I choose to be good and kind in my relationships with others. Let's just say it. I choose to be good and kind in my relationships with others. It is a choice, is it not? Because I could have become one of those bulliers. I was reading an article about bullies recently, and, and, and there was a, a gentleman that was interviewed, and he said, hey, look, we were all bullied when we were kids. We turned out okay. He went on to say, we didn't wear seatbelts either when we were a kid. We turned out okay. By the way, I know some of you, you moms, you got young kids and stuff. You, you got like kids bolted in, locked in when they get in the car. You know, um, <laughs> when my kids were little, we just had a little bucket and we wrapped a seatbelt around it. And when my parents, right, had us, they put us in a little blanket, right? And mama sat in the back seat and just held us. And we rode in the back of pickup trucks. No seats or seatbelts. Shh, don't tell anybody we did that. And we turned out kind of okay, didn't we? Yeah. But what we didn't talk about much was how the bullying hurt. And now it's actually an epidemic where uh, 90% of fourth through eighth graders report being victims of some kind of bullying. In the article, the gentleman said, yeah, just, just tell them to get tough, get tougher skin. But when you think about 160,000 kids in America every day skipping school simply because of one thing, bullying. Not because they didn't do their homework or something really good on TV in the morning. One in 10 students, think about this, one in 10 students that drop out of school drop out because the pressure is too much, that people are not kind. And at the basic core of the human being, we are all unkind. I didn't know if you knew this or not. And if it wasn't so, then Jesus would have never had to come and, and die for us. We've been talking about the pathway to growth. And in Galatians 5, to 26, the fruit of the Spirit is, let's just read it, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh. See, these are not fruits of the flesh. These are fruits of the Spirit. You can't produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. By the way, in the Greek text, those are together. Kindness and goodness. They're twins. They're inseparable twins. They're inseparable twins. Back uh, about 16 months ago when we talked about friendships, I alluded to this story that I want to revisit again about two men who should not have been friends. Uh, it'd be kind of like one's a Republican and the other's whatever party, Democrat or Libertarian. One's a USC fan, one's a UCLA fan. One loves the 49ers, one loves the Raiders. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Wherever they end up, right? Uh, one is from Lompoc, one is from Cabrillo, and they're on the basketball court, or they're in the pool, or they're on the tennis court, or they're on the football field the night of the big game, and they could be friends outside the gridiron, but oh, oh in that moment. And Jonathan, who is King Saul's son, who's the heir apparent to the throne, realizes that God has appointed and anointed David to be king, and rather than being unkind, rather than being a bully, he decides in kindness to warn David that his own dad, King Saul, wants to find David and kill him. His inheritance is going to be lost. The palace will not be his. And yet he deeply cares. He deeply cares about David. And David is warned by Jonathan. And in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 13 to 15, it says, May the Lord be with you as he was with my father. But show me what? Show me what? Unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness. Isn't that an interesting statement? He doesn't say to David, hey, David, when you come into your kingdom, remember me and be nice to me. He says, no, I want you to be nice to me and kind to me in an unfailing way, just like the Lord is kind to us, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family. Now, why is that important? Well, every time a new king came into power, he killed the family of the previous king. Because he didn't want them around. He didn't want to revolt. He didn't want to protest. He didn't want anything. All he wanted was to take over and move on. And he says, I, I want you to, 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 to be kind to my family, even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies, referring to even his family from the face of the earth. And the two go their separate ways. And later on, we, we, we begin to see this kindness now, for those of you Greek scholars in the house, uh, please forgive me, because I'll probably say this a little bit off, but the word kindness is the word krestotes, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-T-E-S. And I tried to hit the microphone, and it wouldn't read anything to me, so that's it, krestotes. And it's the word we find for kindness in Galatians 5.22. And it means a quality of goodness, a quality of purity, a gracious disposition in character and in attitude. 
it, it gives us the picture that even when you feel like yelling, you hold yourself back because there's something of goodness inside of you. Even when you feel like retribution, you stop for a moment, and as we talked about and as we declared, I choose to be good and kind in my relationships with others. Jesus says, my yoke is easy. You remember that? And my burden is light. When he says my yoke is easy, that's the word Christos. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when you grow in obedience and discipleship towards me, you're going to find out that my weight on you is going to be a kind weight, a gracious weight, a good weight, a, a Christos. It's a relationship that is pleasant. It is a relationship that is based not on a forced servanthood, but a willing servanthood. I follow after Christ willingly, and his yoke on me is light. I choose to be good. I choose to be kind. I choose to be considerate of others. But remember, it's not a fruit of the flesh. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit's doing the empowering. It's God's goodness in us that, that's coming out of us. See, to serve without love is unbearable and unsustainable. That's why Paul will say uh, in Galatians, it is possible to become weary in being good. Don't be weary in doing good or doing well, but continue. Don't quit. Don't say, what's the use of being good? You know, the good finish last or something crazy like that. Rather, Rather, Paul says, don't you dare quit being good because you will reap a harvest in the proper time or in due season. To serve because of love is the highest privilege and is sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus, of course, models for us this kindness and this grace and this goodness. And, and in your notes, because I know some of you are just chomping at the bit to write something down, uh, kindness is how goodness expresses itself. Goodness cannot be in you without coming out of you. Now, I need to just present a little caveat here because being kind to someone so you can make a connection so you can sell a product, or you can get promoted, or being kind to the teacher so your kid will have a special place in the class is not kindness. There's another word that starts with M, and it ends with manipulate. <laughs> Try thinking of that quickly. It's manipulative. I'll make brownies for the teacher because then my kid will... No, make brownies for the teacher because she has an incredible job or he has a difficult job. Be, be kind and gracious with, with no strings attached. That's what goodness is all about. See, our pathway is really filled with weeds of unkindness. It's really filled with, with weeds of selfishness that we have to pull out where we want to do something for someone so they'll do something back for us. Uh, kindness is not to manipulate. Kindness is, is, is not to take advantage of someone else. Kindness is not so I can bring harm to someone else. So I'll be nice so I can bring harm to you because after all, I'm not good on the inside. And no doubt you've heard of people who were nice and kind and good 
But on the inside, they really were not nice and kind and good. They just simply used that goodness to manipulate people. Maybe you've heard about some. Maybe you've had it happen to you. That's why I say that the flesh can fake kindness with manipulative good deeds. The flesh can do that. But see, people that are discerning, hopefully, can, can see past that. But rather than saying, oh yeah, I, I know people who've used uh, kindness and goodness to manipulate others, rather than that, make sure it doesn't ever come out of you. So 2 Samuel 9.1, back to our story. David says, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David didn't have to keep his word. Jonathan's gone. He's dead. I doubt anybody really would remember what David had made as a pact. For most of Saul's clan is gone. But there was something inside of David's heart. Even though all the speed bumps in David's life and, and some of his utter disobedience, we know that David was still a man after God's own heart. Thank God for Sunday school. Yeah. Goodness is who you are on the inside, fueled by the Holy Spirit. It's not something you have to conjure up on your own. It's a choice you make, yes, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to come and, and fill your life. Kindness is the outward expression of that inner goodness fueled by the Holy Spirit. So there's goodness coming in and, and there's kindness coming out. Luke 6, 45. Let's read this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So when I think of treasury, what do you think of when you think of treasury? Money. Money. That's what we think of. Now, I want you to think of in this, this vein of, of money, I want you to think of the bank that you go to. What bank do you go to? Just all blurred out. One, two, three, what bank? Yes, good, great. So I heard Coast Hills, Robo Bank, great name for a bank. <laughs> it's like Rob the Bank, Robo Bank. And you got Wells Fargo and Union and Lompoc Community Bank and if I didn't mention B of A, if I didn't mention your bank, you know. But if you go to your bank Monday morning and you say, I'm, I'm, I'm here to get the treasury, I want to uh, withdraw $2.4 billion from the bank. And the, the checkers, the teller's going to say, uh, did you say billion? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You mean $2.4,000? And, and you, yeah, okay, I'll take that. 2.4 thousand, I'll take that. And they're going to look at your balance and they're going to say, excuse me, uh, Miss Smith, uh, you want 2.4 thousand. You have $24 here. Huh? It's a treasury. Jesus said it. It's a treasury. See, you know this, and I don't want to insult your intelligence, but whatever... Whatever you put into your heart is coming out of your heart. Now, boy, is that simple. You, we came to church. We got dressed up to hear that. Huh? 
But, but what, do we, what do we put in our hearts sometimes if, if we're not, not careful? Now, see, we're in church, and we're going to say we put truth in our heart, and we put the Word of God in our heart, and, and, we, and, we, and we put goodness in our heart by the Holy Spirit because we have the Holy Spirit in our heart. And so guess what happens? If, if truth and the Word and goodness and the Holy Spirit are in our hearts, then kindness is coming out. And sometimes we wonder where some stuff comes from every once in a while. Not only Jesus says, when we talk, what, what you say falls out of what's in your heart. And when you say, I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to say that. What's in your heart? I didn't say this. Jesus did. Don't get mad at me. Some of you look at me like, whoa. There, look at, look at, look at. If you, if you put lies in your heart, if you put gossip in your heart, um, boy, I'm going to hurt some of you right now. If you put everything you read on Facebook in your heart, I got to tell you, I, I know grown adults, Law Polk, California, 2017, that still believe if somebody posted it, it's true. I say, well, who posted it? Well, my, my friend. Where'd your friend get it from? Well, I don't know. Somebody forwarded it to them. They shared it with me. If it's shared, it's true. No. So if you let lies and, and gossip and, 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 and Facebook, now Facebook's good. I, I got it. We have a Facebook here. Church has one. The kids have one. All right. You can get my little video every Wednesday, prayer of the day. We're going to have prayer focus. So there's good things you can do with it. You can share pictures of your trip with your friends. And Okay, so it's good. I redeemed the moment. All right. Whatever goes in, folks, comes out. Now watch. When there's a moment of pressure in your life, when there's a moment where somebody comes against you, when there's a moment when your flesh is rising, you're going to draw out of the bank or your heart whatever's in your heart. It's coming out. You want to change relationships in your marriage? You want to change relationships with your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your friend, your neighbors, your grandkids? Then keep putting in good things in your heart. Eventually, it will come out of you. Now, many years ago, we, 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 we talked about this because sometimes people have bad baggage going through the, the pipe, bad stuff going through the pipe of life. They come to Jesus and they wonder why everything isn't just good. I said, because there's still the residue in your pipe of the bad stuff. You got to flush out that pipe. And by putting the truth of God's word, by, by, by being a part of a small group, by having other people hold you accountable for what you say, how you think, how you act, come on, and goodness, and allowing the Holy Spirit afresh to come into you every day, then pretty soon, uh, this gets washed out. See? And pretty soon, you can start planting good, good crop in your life, good, good yield in your life. But you can't plant good crop in your life till you get the crop out of your life. <laughs> the old crop, you know what I mean? So... I was careful. You got to work. It takes a while. A young man uh, who, who is dealing with really, I mean, just horrible uh, uh, 
addiction in his life, uh, started to get free from addiction, but he, he, he still got the shakes, and he still wanted to go back and hang out with his buddies. And, and he said, Pastor, I gave my life to Jesus, and, and I asked the Holy Spirit to fill me, and, and that was three days ago, and I still got urges. I said, you, you, got, you, got old, you got to have a new crop coming up now. Get some new friends. Start putting good. See, you have old crop in your life that's residue in the pipe. So what are you putting in your heart, folks? You might go, well, I went to church to hear that. I challenge you to ask the Holy Spirit what he sees in your heart. I challenge you. As we started a series, I've been doing this every day, and some days I don't want to ask him because he keeps revealing stuff to me that, well, see, kindness and goodness are most, in your notes, are most impactful when no one is even watching you're not doing it for recognition. You're not, you're not doing it again for somebody to, to recognize it. In 2 Samuel 9, 2 and 4, now there was a servant in Saul's household named Ziba. And they summoned him to appear before David. And David said to him, are you Ziba? And Ziba says, at your service. And he replied, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness. Remember, that's what he said. Remember, Jonathan said, show me God's kindness. And Ziba answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan, um, but he's a crippled in both feet. I don't know if he said he's crippled because he thought maybe he should be overlooked. Or maybe somehow Ziba had classed Mephibosheth in the category of Alan White. It's just, just a kid who doesn't have it. And so David Asked, where is he? Verse 4 and 5. And Ziba answered, He's at the house of Maker, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Some of you may remember this phrase. Lodabar simply means a place where there's no pasture. He, he, has, he has no grass to graze any cattle on. There's no well water. There's, there's nothing. It's a desolate, dry place. And it's a horrible place for a disabled man to be living and existing. And in verse 6, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came uh, to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he said. Now, Mephibosheth is nervous. He's standing before David, the one who killed Goliath, the one who killed the lion, the one who killed the bear. And he's wondering if, when that census taker came to his house, was he there to find me out? Anybody here from Jonathan's lineage? Anybody here from King Saul? Grandson. Yes, me. And he's wondering if David is going to eradicate him. But David says these great words. You want to hear the kindness of David? He says in verse 7 and 8, Don't you dare be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you'll always eat at my table. Now, when you read this story, you can say goodness and kindness. But you can also say this, we're the Mephibosheths of the story. We're the crippled. We're the lame. We're the ones that don't deserve to have God show us his goodness and his kindness, and yet he allows us a place at his table. Guess who got to be at the table of the king? His family. And God allows us to be his kids. That's because of his grace. See, grace is standing with you 
and offers you grace. God's grace is standing with you and offers you grace that is not only greater than anything you have done, but it's greater than anything that's ever been done to you. Don't just let grace be something that we receive for things we've done, but even things that have been done to us. Somebody says, well, I'm free in the Lord. I'm free from my sins, but I can't be free from the stuff my family did or my friend did. Well, listen, God's grace, if I get excited here, it's okay. God's grace and God's mercy is not only greater than your sin, but it's greater than sins that have been done to you. Greater than sins that have been done to you. And the king summoned Ziba, verse 9 and 10, and basically said, you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land and bring him the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for, and Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And now Ziba had how many sons? Fifteen sons and how many servants? Fifteen and twenty is what? Come on. Thirty-five plus one Ziba is... 36, Ziba sounds like cat food. 36 people are now going to take care of Mephibosheth, the crippled man. He will never lift a finger. Now, if you want to spiritualize, that reminds us that we can't work for our salvation. And all the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the power of the Holy Spirit that he gives us comes to us because of what the Lord has done. And verse 11 says, Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So get ready, get your pen out, lightning speed, lightning round. Show kindness to those closest to you, number one. It's easier to perform a random act of kindness for strangers than for people that are close to us. Because people that are close to us will put up with our stuff. Good morning. You know, I'll be nice to that stranger. And if I'm not nice to my wife, well, she'll just have to deal with it. Huh? Be nice to the people closest to you first. And here's a prayer for growth in your life. Dear God, is there someone you want me to show kindness to for your sake? Uh, I'll tell you an abbreviated story because I'm already going too long. Abbreviated story. About a week and a half ago, I went into Starbucks because I had a reward and I wanted to go use it. I buy a small little coffee. You buy enough of them, you get some real frou-frou drink. That's how I do it. Anyway. And if you get a reward, you can buy anything in the food case, too. Just thought I'd tell you that. Buy the cheapest drink on your card, as many as you want, and then you'll get... Anyway. So, it's called work in the system. We are in the line. It's a long line. And I turn to my right, and there's a person standing there who I haven't seen in years, and who years ago, I mean, just, you want to talk about bitterness, hatred, anger, all thrown my way. And, uh, and it was totally a misunderstanding. I mean, I would own it if I did it. I didn't do it. And then, the, then they got with their friends, and they started talking about how bad it was, and, and then they all got lobbying to this thing about... And, and licking each other's wounds in the fear of mis, in a circle of misunderstanding. So I saw the person. There's nowhere they can go. 
I'm one away from the register, and there's a line behind them, double wide line. And there we are, stuck. I had, again, no conversation in years. And I said, how are you? With their head down, fine, doing, doing fine. We get to the front, I buy my little frou-frou drink for free, and uh, I said, oh yeah, and anything that they want. And here's what they said, no way are you buying for me. I said, yes way. <laughs> no way, yes way. Double way, yes, double way. <laughs> I'm rubber, you're glue, what you say bounce off me and six on you. Come on, come on. And the, the gal there knows me and said, sure, Pastor Bernie, I got it. And they said, well, I was going to get a sandwich and a cookie and a drink. That's what they said. So that's, I said, it's my pleasure. And so you do the little thing, beep, on the phone, beep, beep. It took it and everything was fine. And I said into their eyes, if I told you what they did to me, you would, you would, <clears throat> just had a twitch. You would, uh, yeah. But see, I don't want to choose to live out of here. I choose to be kind people. And I said to them, you may not believe this. It's really good to see you. And I hope and pray right now in Jesus' name that you and your family are well. Now all the demons said, oh, shucks. Because they were hoping it was going to be a moment where I would rise up in my godly divine ordination authority and give them a piece of my, my theology, right? And you know what I did? No. No. How could I talk to you about being kind and, and chew their head off? By the way, I had a right to chew their head off for the damage they caused. But you know what? So what? I'd rather have God keep score and go, one for the kingdom, zero for the devil. I'd rather have that. Show kindness to someone who cannot reciprocate. Just do it. Well, I'm going to be nice to them because maybe they'll invite me to their party. Just get over that. What could Mephibosheth have done? He had nothing. John Piper said, uh, love moves us to kindness and both are the overflow Love and kindness are both the overflow of the joy that we find in our relationship with God. Because we love God, we want to love and serve others. Show kindness when it's not deserved, number three. Even in the Starbucks line. Come on. You realize the value of your goodness and your kindness by the depth of your sacrifice, by what you've got to do to love somebody. It's easy to love the lovable. If you're married to somebody who's easy to be married to and there are no maintenance, easy work, then, then you don't understand what I'm talking about. See, well, I've got a low-maintenance wife. I mean low, low-maintenance. You've been married to me over 40 years. Can you imagine that? Some, some woman one time said, oh, I bet you it's great being married to him. No, it's not. I'm tough. I'm tough to be married to. I can't find my socks in the morning, and I can't get my schedule right. Come on. Find somebody that's difficult to love and go love them. Ask God to put people in your path that are hard to love and love them. I want to end by reading. You got this, right? I don't need to, right? You got this. This is your lesson. 
What are you putting in your heart? What are you putting in your mind? What stories are you listening to? Did you get all your fill-ins? What's left? Huh? Burger Herder? I can't hear a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I read that. Come on. You realize the value of your goodness and kindness by the depth of your sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you much to be nice, hey, listen, it cost me a drink, a sandwich, and a cookie. You think so? I don't think so. It cost me putting down my sword and making sure I wasn't going to let any of that history, okay, of all the spewing that they've did. I mean, just really. I want to read to you from my buddy Max, Max Lucado. He writes in his journal. I think he could actually be standing here and say, I want to talk to you about the pathway to growth. He said, it's quiet. It's early. My coffee is hot and the sky is still black. The world is still asleep. The day is coming. In a few moments, the day will arrive. It'll roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. The calm of solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made and deadlines to be met. The next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demands. It is now that I must make a choice. Because of Calvary, the cross of Jesus, I'm free to choose, and so I choose. I choose love. No occasion justifies hatred. No injustice warrants bitterness. I choose love. Today I will love God, and I will love what God loves. I choose joy. I will invite my God to be the God of my circumstance. I will refuse the temptation to be cynical. It's the lazy tool of the lazy thinker. I will refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created by God. I will refuse to see any problem as anything less than an opportunity to see God. I choose peace. I will live forgiven, and I will forgive so that I may live. I choose patience. I will overlook the inconveniences of this world, and instead of cursing the one who takes my place, I'll invite him to do so. Rather than complaining that the wait is too long, I will thank God for a moment to pause and pray. Instead of clinching my fist at new assignments, I will face them with joy and with courage. I choose kindness. I will be kind to the poor, for they are alone. I'll be kind to the rich, for many of them are afraid, and kind to the unkind, for such is how God has treated me. I choose goodness. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I will be overlooked before I will boast. I will confess before I accuse. I choose goodness. I choose faithfulness. Today I will keep my promises. My debtors will not regret my trust or their trust. My associates will not question my word. My wife will not question my love, and my children will never fear that their father will not come home. I choose gentleness. Nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle, and if I raise my voice, may it only be done in praise. If I clinch my fist, may it only be clinched in prayer, and if I make a demand, may it only be of myself. I choose self-control. I'm a spiritual being. 
after this body is dead and my spirit will soar, I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. I choose self-control. I'll be drunk, but only by joy. I will be impassioned only by my faith. I will be influenced only by God. And I will be taught only by Christ. I choose self-control. And I choose to live for God in all things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To these I commit my day. And if I succeed, then I will give God thanks and all glory. And if I fail, I will seek his grace. And then when the day is done, I'll place my head on the pillow and I will rest. I choose to be good and kind in my relationships with others. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.